Are we so blessed with this, um, our amazing worship teams? Yeah. Holy yeah. smokes, I tell you. I mean, we've got great worship leaders and we've got uh, great worship teams. And you ladies, man, you rocked it today. Yeah, hallelujah. Amazing. So blessed. So uh, how many were here for some part of Francis Miles' conference? Good share of you. I was hoping there'd be uh, more of you that weren't. <laughs> because I have to preach after he was here. That's Imagine being in my shoes right now. It's like, dang, how do you follow that? You know? Amazing brother. Amazing brother. Started reading his book, uh, The Order of Melchizedek. Amazing. If you want to rock your world, I challenge you to read that one. So uh, before I get started, and uh, I can be long-winded, so I'm going to give opportunity now. Uh, I know Jean has some, some testimony she wants to share from the conference. And also, if there's anybody else that you have something that God really impacted you this last weekend through the conference, I would like to give you an opportunity to share a short blip on that. But Jean, if you want to come up. Bob and I were really sick, so I wasn't physically here, but I was able to watch the live stream. Um, I got most of it. Every now and then I'd see that little thing going around because it wasn't caught up, and I know I missed some stuff, but I got enough. And um, so when he did the thing about jumping the bloodline, um, I looked around real quick for something I could jump over, <laughs> and all I could find was a cord to my uh, headset. So anyway... Um, I went ahead and jumped the bloodline, and the next morning when I woke up, it was like I was repeating over and over again, I am in the bloodline of Yeshua. That was the first thing that happened, and something just felt different. The next morning, I woke up. I, was, I wasn't awake, and I wasn't asleep. I don't know exactly what was going on, but all of a sudden, a bunch, it was like my life in photographs was rapidly flashing in front of me. And some of the photographs were being ripped out, and I knew those were the bad ones, and they were being replaced with new ones. Hmm. And um, cool. it, it was the most incredible thing. I couldn't, it was happening so fast, I couldn't tell what was leaving and what was coming in, but I knew there was an exchange going on. And then um, after I got up, um, I went to read the word, and I realized that God had somehow in that whole transaction uh, healed some emotions. Um, I had gotten to the place where I was disconnected from my emotions and I couldn't cry. And that's a bad thing for me because, I mean, I got crying beat out of me when I was a kid, so I wasn't allowed to cry ever. Mm. So the first thing that happened when I actually came to the Lord was I cried for three hours, no wow. nonstop. And that's how I know when he's touching me in the deep place where no one else can get is I cry. And so that started happening again. And um, anyways, I'm just so excited that even though I wasn't physically here, um, God did some big things. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> Amen. 
So you guys remember, uh, and if you haven't listened to the message, you've got to, but speak to the earth. All right, so when Francis was saying, speak to the earth, introduce yourself to the earth. And um, so I was, I, I went through that prayer that everybody that was here went through. And I, I applied for a large loan for my business. And the ladies in the office were like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> right? And I'm going like, well, I, I just don't see any other way. So that day when, when we came, I listened to the message, the loan fell through, and I was going like, all right, what's going to happen? And then we spoke to the earth, and we started getting so many calls. We, we need a piece of what you create, and we're, we're, we have, on a record level, put out bids for these jobs, and I'm going like, yes, Lord, I would rather it that way <laughs> than go into debt anymore. So God has, uh, he just reopened up my eyes, and, and it, was, it was actually fun. Like, Earth, my name's Greg Dahl, <laughs> 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 and I am a child of the king, and you will, you will yield your fruit. And it was, it's actually amazing, so... Good, 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 good. Anybody else? Last call. Okay. This is really amazing because when he was really talking about the office of a woman, this is really powerful because a lot of women get stuck right there. And uh, when he began to talk about uh, the office of woman and what that means, mm -hmm. and then at the point where the men, where he engaged the men to repent to the women for all of the, uh, the, tr uh, the things that have happened down through the years to woman, there was some amazing unlocking. Some uh, The repentance was had such an effect on me. It was like I could feel the men when they repented and asked for forgiveness. I could feel the washing from behind me, like water was just splashing over me and to the side of me. And then it began to wash down through my generation, my own life and my generation cleansing from all the atrocities that have ever happened by men in, in my life and in my generational line. So what a testimony, what an awesome thing that God is in the healing business Amen. to set us free at every level. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Very good. Thank you. And thank you for being bold enough to come up and get on the keyboard that day. That was awesome. Anybody else? Fernanda? A couple of years ago, someone told me in a prophetic word, it didn't mean much to me then because it didn't know really what it, how I could fit that into my life. I didn't have a grid for it, rather, that I had a voice in the courts of heaven. Okay? Doesn't everybody, I thought, what hmm. does that really mean? 
there's a court in heaven. I know that God is the judge, but I couldn't quite picture a government. But um, when Francis Miles taught on that, it gave me something to work in, that we can actually go into the courts of heaven and if we have any, if the enemy has any legal claim on us because we have agreed with the enemy, then he can hold us captive in things that we have a hard time breaking away from, breaking off. Uh, we don't have breakthroughs. And so we need to come into the courts of heaven, come before the judge, and claim our, um, that we are his child and that we're trying to live for him and for him to give us wisdom and insight to know how to turn on the enemy and speak to him with authority and, and uh, make sure that he has no more claim on us, that um, in the courts of heaven, um, we have a voice. All of us do. We just need to come before the judge and claim our situation and have him work through us, giving us the wisdom, know how to speak to the enemy so that forever and a day, um, he's away and he's no more in our life. Amen. Very good. Anybody else? Okay, you know I'm long-winded. <laughs> yeah, as Doug said, you know, sometimes we bring in a guest speaker and uh, it's always a challenge because we don't know all their DNA and their background. We don't know exactly everything they're gonna say. So. And sometimes we hear some things that just kind of go, what was that? I'm not sure I can digest that. All right, and as Doug says, you know, sometimes we just got to go eat the meat off the bone and throw the bone. Sometimes there's bones in what we eat. Uh, and maybe some of you struggled over something Francis said. I struggle over things Steve Shaw used to say, okay? I struggle once in a while when Doug says something. You probably struggle when I say things. You know, if you hear those things and it's kind of a, I'm not so sure about that. Don't worry about it. Not the end of the world. You don't have to adopt every non-essential. But just listen to the voice of the Spirit. Try to hear what the Spirit is saying in that moment. What is the message of, of the Holy Spirit at that moment? And I think Francis did that very well. So it was fun. I had never heard Francis before, and uh, I've never written any of his books. So it was a real new, new experience. And uh, <clears throat> I personally got a lot out of that. It challenged a lot of my dynamics and reinforced a lot of things I felt the Lord was telling me. So that's good. So what I wanted to do today is just kind of revisit <laughs> how many, I feel like this is one of these things that maybe we've, we've overemphasized, but maybe needs to be reemphasized because it got perverted or twisted up. I wanted to revisit identity. I re wanted to revisit who we are. And uh, we heard some testimonies today, just now, about uh, God reminding us of who we are. God reminding us of the value that he placed upon us when he said, come into my kingdom. Be my son. Be my daughter. Be a prince. Be a king in my kingdom. Wow. I mean, we just, sometimes that just revolts us. Like, how can I ever, I know where I've been. I know who I was. I know what I did. How can you, how can you just 
wash all that away and call me your son or a prince or a princess. Sometimes it just blows our mind and we have a hard time embracing it. But God wants us to embrace it. He wants us to embrace it. And he will lead us in that journey and reveal what it means to be a son or a daughter. He's not going to give it to you all at once because it will blow your mind. And sometimes he'll come in really passive and gentle and grow with you for a while before he lays a heavy on you because you can't handle it right up front. So, with so much emphasis in our day with associations and labels, I have once again been pondering how we define our identity as people who follow Christ. I have preached on identity before and taught keynote classes on identity, and I have a personal journey of defining my own identity with Christ. But as of late, there has been a narrative war raging trying to conform us into identities in the world. It's a raging war right now. We can all feel it. Very real. The latest narrative craze, I identify as fill in the blank. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it. There, a few years ago, there was a, and this was really out of character back that time, you know, eight, ten years ago, there was a, a guy here, I don't know if he's still here, uh, that maybe lived at the mission or something, but um, he would walk around with a, a tail attached to his pants. I never met him. I don't know who he was. I don't know his story. But you always saw him around town with his tail attached to his, like a raccoon tail, about this big, kind of. And every time I see him, I just go, wow, what kind of a story does he have to tell? What kind of identity has he adopted and taken upon himself? That he seems like this tail has some kind of representation of his current identity. So how many times have we heard this statement over the last couple of years? I identify as. <laughs> There's been a huge demonic push to get people all twisted up in their identity. Some, some of these seem relatively harmless and others are downright enslaving and destructive. Yes, that's what I said, just enslaving and destructive. Some identify as their employment. I'm a plumber. I'm a lawyer, I'm an architect, I'm a bookkeeper, I'm a fill-in-the-blanks, and it kind of becomes their identity. Their job is so encompassed who they are that it actually becomes who they are, and they identify themselves that way. Is that all that bad? Not really, unless you're walking with God. Why do you limit yourself to the definition of what will you do? We don't want to limit ourselves to what we do. It's just an expression of what we do. Some identify as their ministry. I'm a pastor. I'm an author, writer. I'm a counselor. I'm a traveling conference speaker. I'm a political activist. I fight human trafficking. Now, all of these are good, and if you find yourself ministering in one of these arenas, good. Do it to glorify God. 
and see people saved, healed, and delivered. Absolutely. If you're in any kind of ministry, do it. Do it wholeheartedly. But it is not who you are. Again, it's just your ministry, your expression of what you do. It isn't your definition. It's not your identity. And I know that can be very difficult for people in full-time ministry. It becomes, they become so engulfed in what their ministry is, they kind of only see themselves as that. And they kind of lose sight at times of their simpleness of walking with Christ. We can even take doctrinal stances and make it our identity. I'm a Calvinist. I'm a futurist. I'm a dispensationalist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a vineyardite. <laughs> I'm a full gospel Bible-even radical. And we make these doctrinal stances, and then we stand there and we put the label on us and say, that's what I am. I'm glad you got some doctrinal stances. I'm glad you believe things and you sort through those things. We all need to sort through those things because there's a bazillion voices coming out, even in the spirit realm, aspects, talk about spiritual things. There's a bazillion voices. And you, we need to have some doctrine. We need to have some understanding of what we believe. But that, again, does not make you who you are. I'm sure you get that picture. Or it can be a political position. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a liberal. I'm a conservative. I'm an independent. I'm political neutral. You see where I'm going. Obviously, our doctrinal stances and our political views are important. I'm not negating that reality. They're important. But it, is, uh, but it should never define who we are. And now we're in a phase that we have kind of an out-of-control, worldly identifier system being propagated. And you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm a lesbian. I'm gay. I'm, I'm a birthing person. I'm bi. I'm, I'm a he, him, it, they them oh my gosh <laughs> how did we get there you know when I hear people talk like that I just go I'm so sorry you're so confused about your identity who lied to you to tell you this what lies did you believe that you've adopted this identity change you up to say that I am this and the sad part of it is those that get caught in that trap because they're in their trap deep inside they know it's broken they've never admit it but deep inside they know it's broken so they look for ways to justify it and they look for ways to promote it as a new normal a lot of the new normal that we're hearing propagated today is to make those that are broken feel normal because they don't. They don't feel good. They know deep inside they're broken. So they look for some affirmation. 
They look for some people to agree with them. They look for laws to be passed to make it acceptable. And therefore, ah, now I feel better about myself. And the whole time they're broken. Thank you, Jesus, for your deliverance. And there's nothing innocent about this new level of narrative. This is the doctrine of demons <clears throat> with the purpose of destroying human lives, crumbling healthy society, and at his root, Satan trying to destroy God's most precious creation, humanity. Who was made in the image, in his very own image, and is supposed to walk in relationship with him. Um, I, live, I listen to KW once in a while, good radio station. And there's a program on there called In the Market with Janet Parshall. Anybody know what that program is? Yeah. I don't get to hear it very often because only time is sometimes in my lunch break I get to catch a little bit of it. But anyway, she was uh, having one of her programs. She's very intelligent. Her husband works for the American Center for Law and Justice. Uh, so they're in-depth with Washington, D.C., what's happening there and everything. And uh, <clears throat> they were talking about identity. They were talking about this very thing, identity, and how the enemy is twisting identity right now and making people think that their sexual preference is their identity. And uh, they had a call-in time, you know, where people can call in and ask questions and so forth. And uh, this gal calls in, and, and her, out of her mouth she says, I identify as a lesbian, but I am a Christian. And then she went on to explain that a little bit. And it was like, oh my gosh. She actually says, I identify as a lesbian, her identity, but I'm a Christian. So what was the most important identity in her life? Her sexual identity as a lesbian. And I was very uh, impressed with how Janet Parshall and the guest speaker on the program handled that question with this gal and brought her to an understanding of, dear sister, your identity should not be in a sexual preference. And then went on to just kind of lead her and guide her through that process. But we are in that era right now where somehow if you have any kind of a let's face it, sexual perversion thinking in your head that somehow that is a identity. And it's being propagated so heavily, creating this new normal. I'm not, not anti-I don't hate gays, I don't hate anybody in that, caught up in that lifestyle. I don't see them as enemies, I see them as slaves. They've been captured. They've been bound by an enemy who hates them just like he hates you and I and wants to destroy God's beautiful creation called humanity. So they're not enemies. And yet the enemy through media narratives tries to create this impression that because we're on the so-called religious right 
that we hate these people. That's their creation, not ours. Those that are in Christ and understand this know they're not an enemy. They are captives. They are slaves. And unfortunately, their mind gets so twisted and warped, they think that they need to justify it and try to make it normal and make it healthy. You see the level of depravity the enemy has brought them in. But there's plenty of testimony of people coming out of that world now. Plenty of testimony of people getting saved, healed, and delivered, and finding redemption in Christ and getting set free from those enslavements. And they, with clear heads and clear minds, can look back and say, I was a slave. I know now. That was a bondage. That was a slavery. And Jesus set us free. Jesus set me free. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so what we do for a living, how we minister, our political views, our doctrinal stances, our sexual preferences, or our gender preference should never define who we are, our identity. To, sec to suggest such a thing is just plain destruction. Uh, as you know, recently there was a big push in Florida to pass a bill to ban uh, teaching five through eight-year-olds sexual preferences. Five through eight-year-olds? When I first heard that, I thought, why do they need a law to stop that? Because it was happening. I don't care who you are. If you've got any decency of morality in your heart, in your mind. Teaching things to, sexual things to five year, through eight-year-olds is nothing less than child abuse. And you shouldn't be teaching, you should be in jail. Amen. Wow, Max, that's really harsh. <laughs> that's just the way I see it. I mean, when you have Disney Inc. fighting to keep that teaching in school, what is your motive, Disney? How did you draw this conclusion that this is healthy curriculum? That you think you have to come to the defense of it? Wow. I don't know about you, but I have a totally different outlook on Disney. So that sounds kind of harsh, but you know what? Jesus was kind of harsh at times. Yeah. Loving, gentle, tender, merciful, forgiving, sacrificial Jesus was downright harsh at times. He said some things that really, really offended some people. I want to read one of those. In Matthew 18, verses 6 and 7, <clears throat> Jesus said, Jesus speaking, gentle, loving, tender, merciful Jesus speaking, if anyone causes these little, one of these little ones to stumble, those who believe in me, it would be better for them to have a huge millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of these things that cause people to stumble. Such things are going to come, but woe to the person through whom they come. 
gentle, loving, tender, merciful Jesus just gave a very, very harsh judgment. He says, you better be careful what you do to these little ones. There will be a day of reckoning. To me, that just sends chills up my spine. And when I hear of things like this law in Florida where you know, certain people are opposing it and uh, other things that are being propagated in, in some states and even in Washington, D.C., it's like I hear the words of Jesus, woe to those through whom they come. <laughs> it will not be swept under the rug unless you repent. And if you repent, God is a redeemer. He does save, heal, and deliver. But if you don't repent, he will remind you on that day. And that is going to be a scary, scary day. You think, well, that's just an isolated case. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote on that incident. All three of them wrote on that incident. And if it's in three of the four Gospels, to me, that's pretty significant. That's one of the criteria I use for significance. If it's in one of the Gospels, you can kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's, that's good. I get that. But if it's in three, I just kind of go, you better pay attention. God's saying something. Remember, Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus represents God perfectly. God welcomes everybody into his house. Does he not? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, on you. Take my yoke upon you, for I am humble and lowly in heart. He says, come. Come into my house. Come into my house. The door is wide open. I'm not slamming the door on anybody. It's an open door policy with God. Well, God sends people to hell. No, he doesn't. The door is wide open. You can come into his kingdom anytime you want. So we forget. I think what something that's happened in Western civilization largely is we've gotten pretty comfortable with the gentle, loving, merciful, kind, graceful Jesus, and we forget that he's still God Almighty. Part of the Godhead, the same Godhead that destroyed whole nations in the Old Testament. Part of the same Godhead that destroyed the earth with the flood. Part of the same Godhead, as Francis talked about, the earth swallowed up the sons of Korah because of their rebellion. Same God. Different covenant. We're in a different covenant. Absolutely. We're not in the Old Covenant. Let me make that perfectly clear. If you're reading only the Old Testament and that's who you're grant, getting, your, uh, you're getting your theology, theology from and who God is, it's not complete. <laughs> You've got to bring the new covenant into it. You've got to bring Jesus' perfect theology into it. And when you have the two, 
then you can get a better picture of God. Okay, now I see. So God, you know, I heard a teaching once from Chris Ballatin. He says, God will let you belong, and then he wants you to believe, and then he wants you to behave. The three B's. <laughs> First, God wants you to belong. Jesus invites you to belong. Come on in. Jesus said, how many times? Follow me. Follow me. He never turned anybody away. He didn't say, get out of here. I don't want you following me. It was always an open invitation. So God, Jesus has the concept of belonging down pat. He says, just come on in. Be a part of what I'm a part of. Be a part of my kingdom. Be a part of my family. Be my disciple. Come in. Come with me. I will let you belong without question. But in that process, once you start belonging, he's going to challenge you about believing some things. How many have been challenged in your walk with God? <laughs> and had a doctrinal thing in your face that you just kind of went, ah, I can't handle that. We see examples of that in the scriptures. Jesus says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no part of me. And people are like, whoa, dude. Challenged their dynamic. So we get to belong, and then we start to learn how to believe. God reveals things. His Holy Spirit reveals things. And we have a choice whether or not we're going to believe it or not. And then at some point along the journey, God wants you to behave. He wants you to start acting like what you believe. He doesn't usually just throw you into that immediately. It's usually something that comes down the road. He starts convicting you of things. Like, young man, that thing right there, you need to get rid of that. He's not mean about it. He's just saying, if you were my child, if you were my son, if you were a prince, that's not fitting behavior in my kingdom. It's not mean, it's not nasty. This is my kingdom. I welcome you to it. You will rule and reign with me. But in my kingdom, it looks like this. Do you want to be a part of that? That was Jesus' message. He brought the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. If you don't like it, there's a door. You can leave any time. It's funny how Jesus never went back and, oh, wait, wait, no, don't go. When the rich young ruler rejected him, he didn't chase after him. Maybe down the road, maybe he repented and came back, who knows. So God wants us to belong. He welcomes us in. He wants us to start believing, comprehending what his kingdom's all about. And then he wants us to start acting like we believe. That's being a part of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Good, okay. And I could give you numerous scripture verses for those, but I can tell you I already got to move on. 
So God is still, Jesus Christ is still God the Son. Nothing's changed. He's still the same God of the Old Covenant. If you've ever read the Old Covenant, you quickly see that God has quite some harsh things he did at times, even becoming very judgmental against his own people, Israel. Sometimes people get the wrong impression of God and the Father and Jesus, and they're kind of like, look like good cop, bad cop. You know, God the Father's bad cop, I'm angry at those sinners, you know, I'm going to judge those sinners. And Jesus, the good cop, comes in, says, oh, no, wait a minute, Father, don't, don't, you know, I'll, I'll be the sacrificial lamb, I'll fix it. No, I'm going to kill them all. You know, good cop, bad cop. They're not at odds with each other. They're thinking the same. So when we put the big picture together, when we balance it all, then we begin to see this God we've chosen to serve. The Lord is gracious and kind and says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. But I can promise you this, at some point in your walk with God, he is going to challenge your understanding of him and reveal himself as the Almighty. As Pastor Doug says once in a while, he'll light your pants on fire. I want to tell you about a time God let my pants on fire about his, uh, who he is. It was a dream, actually, probably 12 years ago or so. I was dreaming I was uh, kind of in an open big room, and there was a curtain over here. And I could see kind of around the curtain a little bit in this dream. And I could see a, a couple of animals, like wild animals, like a deer came out, an elk, and uh, some other animals were back there. I could just kind of see them around the corner of the mirror, or corner of the curtain. And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, I love animals. And uh, so I started to approach him, and there was this warm, fuzzy feel in the dream. You know, if you have a dream and you're wondering if God's speaking to you, remember what does it feel like, not just what you saw. What does it feel like? So in the dream, it felt warm and fuzzy and old comfy cozy. There's some beautiful animals, and I started to approach them. And all of a sudden, out from behind this curtain becomes this massive grizzly bear. And if there's any animal that intimidates the snot out of me, it's a grizzly bear. And the next thing I knew, I was terrified. In the dream, I laid on my back, and I put my hand over my face like this because I couldn't bear to look. And this big grizzly bear come right on top of me in the dream. And his face is right here in my face. And I hear this. <laughs> this is the dream, mind you. <laughs> and in the dream, I can hear this voice, kind of like a mystic, mystical background voice saying, don't resist me. And I'm terrified. I'm thinking this thing is going to rip my throat out any second. And I'm just going to die right here. A terrible death. And then the bear kind of backs off and moves away, and I think, the bear's, the bear's leaving. And I start to get up, and then the bear comes back again. Same thing, I'm back on the ground, my hand like this, <laughs> in my face, and I can feel the heat of the breath on my face, the hoofing, you know, and I'm just like terrified in this dream. And I hear that voice again, don't resist me. And I... Uh, and then uh, the bear moves away again, and I wake up. And I'm like, oh, I wake up, I just <laughs> can't hardly breathe. I'm just panicking, you know. And I feel that voice say, don't resist me. And I'm like, okay, Lord. 
So when I think of God, that image comes into the equation. He's much more than gentle, passive, loving, merciful Jesus. He's the massive grizzly bear that can rip my throat out in a moment. <laughs> but he's good. You know, we forget that Romans 8, Romans uh, 2, 4 through 8 says, Are you do, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will re be revealed. God will repay each person according to what he has done. To those who by perseverance and doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, uh, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth, follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. You know, it's verses like that in the New Testament that kind of bring you back to reality. That there is an unpleasant end to all of this for those who reject God. It's not a pleasant end. And sometimes when I hear people saying, oh, I just wish Jesus would come back. I'm like, do you really want that day of wrath to come? Do you really want that day of wrath to come? You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're inviting. Yeah, we'll get to be in glory with him for sure. But it's going to be a terrible, dreadful day for those that have rejected him. Much rather that God's forbearance and patience would hold out so as many could repent and come to the knowledge of salvation as possible, right? That's why he's patient. That's why he's not in a hurry to come back. Patterns. <clears throat> Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve of what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, when you... Uh, I'm, I'm six foot four, and I like to wear sweats. I don't wear pajamas. I don't wear bathrobes. I like sweats. So for me to buy a pair of sweats in the store is like, forget it. I can't find them. They're never long enough. They come up halfway up my calf. It's like, I'm waiting for a flood, you know? So my wife, she took it upon herself to make me a few pairs of sweats and she made them longer. So, you know, she buys a pattern and she uh, puts the pattern on the material and she cuts it out, pins it on there and cuts it out, you know, and sews the pieces together. The pieces of the pattern come together and she creates a pair of sweats. Patterns. Patterns shape things. Patterns take things that maybe didn't have a shape and give them a shape. So here we hear the exhortation of Paul talking to the Romans we should remember that Rome in the first century was an interesting place. <laughs> there was a lot of patterns being projected in Rome in the first century. 
And a lot of them were unhealthy patterns. So Paul is saying, Romans, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be careful what you let shape you. He's challenging them. They're laying patterns on you. And I'm going to tell you right now, Americans, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. It is trying to conform you to a shape, a shape that is ungodly, antichrist, and destructive. And I'm not saying that about a particular person or political group. I'm saying that about the demonic powers in the heavenly realms that are operating through certain narratives to fit you to a pattern that is ultimately destructive. <clears throat> Many of the patterns that we see in the world are sometimes they're just distractions and oftentimes they're much worse. They're perversions. They create something that God never intended. And we have to guard our heart against them. For, lo for the lover of God, there is only one pattern for us. <laughs> kind of a no-brainer question. Jesus. Yet on this journey, we'll largely find that an uphill battle, won't we? Seems like so many things are... So many patterns are being shoved in our face constantly. It's like, get out of my way. I'm going to go this way. I don't want to yeah, get away from me. I had a, I used to dream a lot. I don't dream too much nowadays as far as what I find uh, really spiritual dreams. Uh, occasionally I do. Uh, but maybe 10 or 12 years ago I had a dream where I was, I was standing by a creek and it was not real deep, maybe four or five feet deep and five, six feet across, but it was raging. The water was raging through it really fast. I could hear it roaring in my dream. And there was things in the dream. The water was muddy, really muddy, dirty. Uh, and there was tree branches and rocks and everything else in this dream really thick. And it was moving super fast. And in it, I saw things that were good, things that were in it, like uh, household items, television, refrigerators, uh, you know, things that were beneficial to life. And I remember looking at them going, wow, what are those doing in there? And other people started seeing them and going, wow, what are those doing in there? And I saw these people go over and say, well, we, we better get that out of there. And they reached down there to grab it and pull it out. And immediately they were pulled into the stream. And it swept them away in the water super fast. They didn't have any, any control about it. And I just kind of went, whoa. In the dream, I just went, that's heavy. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me at that time. He says, there is a massive stream flowing and there's some good things in it, but be careful not to go there because it will get you. And we got that going on right now. There's a lot going on right now. And there's some good stuff in that stream, but don't reach in to try to save it. Stay to what's important. Stay focused on what's important. I'm going to make you go along. Keep this up. 
I started asking the Lord this last couple of weeks, you know, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of mind. So you see two different things going on here. And I feel like the Lord gave me a picture. He said, uh, being conformed to the patterns of this world is like you go to the hospital, maybe you've got something wrong with you, they put you on a bed, and they stick an IV in your arm, and they begin pumping things into you. Whatever they put into that IV bag is going to go in you. You don't get to choose. And he said, being conformed to the patterns of this world is just like hooking yourself up to the IV of the world. You just let everything come in. And it's going to get in you. And it's going to conform you if you stay hooked up to that IV. And then I felt like he said, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind is to be a person of wisdom. It's to go to the market and buy the right things buy some, maybe some good supplements and eating healthy organic foods and watching the processed foods, watching the overindulgence uh, of sugars and salts and so forth. And you make wise choices. You engage yourself in the process of health. And what happens when you do that? It transforms your body, doesn't it, Michelle? Healthy choices, choosing the right things, not just sticking the IV of the world in your vein and, and just expecting somehow you're going to survive it as it's deluding you with all this information and, and stuff. Pull the IV out, whatever that looks like for you. Pull it out. Learn to be a wise steward with what God has given you. Learn to look at things in a... Uh, areas, and I'm going to just be mean, look in the areas of your entertainment, your media, what are you exposing yourself? What is IV'd in your arm? Ow, Max, that was kind of offensive. Sorry, not really, but sorry. <laughs> You'll thank me later if you pull it out. <laughs> Personal testimony, my wife and I got rid of our our internet cable TV, I don't know, eight years ago maybe? In the first month it was like, oh, oh boy, what do I do now, you know? <laughs> Pull the IV out. <laughs> but after a month or so, it's like, I found other things to do. and I started reading more. I got selective in going to the internet and reading things I wanted to read. And, uh, you know, we rent movies or we watch movies on on the internet that are healthy? Wow, what a concept. We choose healthy stuff. And I'll tell you what, number one, I don't miss TV at all. At all. Number two, I'm not being IV'd by all the world's thinking. And number three, I think a lot clearer now than I did 10 years ago. And as I get into the Word and I spend time with God, I comprehend things a lot better. I see things better because I'm not deluded by the IV of the world. I'm eating right. We're making wise choices. Ravella likes to look, listen to books on tape or book, audio books, you know, and uh, she listens to things that are beneficial, wholesome, 
once in a while she'd get one that uh, is coarse or, or just doesn't seem to be going the right direction, and she just goes, nope, no, listen to that one. Making healthy choices. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. Remember that ad? That was like a TV ad from, I don't know, 40 years ago. I think it had to do with colleges or something. Maybe uh, minority colleges or something. Yeah, I think it was. And the, the catchphrase was, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And yet sometimes as Americans, we just let society waste our mind. And we wonder what happened. How come I'm such crippled up I can't think clear? How come I'm all weirded out about the culture I live in? How come I can't read the word and understanding it? Well, pull the IV out of your arm. Start making healthy choices. I know I'm meddling. So you can all send me a nasty email later. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 26 says, like a muddied spring or polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Hmm. James also exhorts us, keep ourselves unpolluted from the world. We become like that which we dwell upon. What we allow into our souls will shape our identity into something God never intended, but the devil certainly does intend, <laughs> for sure. To some of you, this may be a new idea. I may be venturing an area you never really comprehended. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you really never had good disciplinary uh, upbringing in, in the church, and you're just going to go, what? Really? Do I have to do that? Do I? Yeah, you do. If you haven't, you haven't come to the realization yet that this world still is full of enemies. <laughs> you know, this, what did Martin Luther, I think, wrote a, a song way back in the 5th century. Uh, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. They're still threatening to undo us. And then he goes on to say that Jesus is the conqueror. Jesus is the one, our deliverer. Patterns. Let's be careful what we let shape us. Let's stand and pray and get you out of here. Thank you. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you that uh, you are still King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and no one's unseating you. And we come into your kingdom with joy and excitement and anticipation of all that you want to do. We say, I am yours, and you are mine. And we want to be a part of your kingdom, God. We want to know what that means, to walk in that, to be those that love what you love and hate what you hate. And we want to be wise stewards with our minds and our hearts and our eyes and our ears, that our words would speak truth and love. 
and change the world around us. God, I ask your blessing on everyone here and anybody that hears this afterwards, audio, audio and, the, and the video. God, I pray that you just bless them, that they would have an encounter with you and lead them further down this road that, this, that we have in kingdom thinking. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, bless you all. Uh, I think we need to put up the chairs, so if you could help put some chairs up, that would be awesome. And Bob and Jean will be in the foyer if you want to talk to them about anything about the election. And so will Andy.